What's up, everybody? Justin Millette and my co-host here, Tyler Bogert. And we are here on Real Alaska, bringing you another exclusive podcast. And this time, we are... Team 5, Iron Dog. Yeah, what's up, guys? Hi, Zach. Hi, Tommy. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things going around that not a lot of people know even what Iron Dog is. So we thought I'd bring you guys along and explain to us what Iron Dog is. So uh, we know... It's a really long snow machine race. How long is it? Uh, 2,600 miles and some change. How long does it take, like day-wise? Or... So, you know, I was going to ask that question. They, they do stretch <laughs> it out a little bit. So from start to finish, it's seven days, but there is a rest day in there. Mm-hmm. But overall course time, we're in that 50 to 60-hour range. So 50 to 60 hours in your uh, – Jesus. What's that? What is, like, your average speed? I think it comes out to 40-something or 50-something. Last year was in the 50s. Uh, depends on the year. Depends on where you finish, too, because there's been different finishes. Uh, river system or if you're going Big Lake back to Big Lake, then it's a rougher terrain. So this year goes from Big Lake to Nome around Kotzebue and back down to Big Lake. Actually, Wasilla, they're doing the finish yeah, at so Menard what's, Center. What's the yeah, deal? that'd be cool. What's the deal with that? I saw something about, I, yeah, we're actually, <laughs> so you're going, are we doing like, are you guys doing like the um, ceremonial that they used to do downtown? Yeah, yes. So ceremonial start from Wasilla to Big Lake. Uh-huh. So point A to point B, everybody's pretty tight group. Right. Because there's a couple road crossings. And yeah. then uh, once you hit Big Lake, then we'll go out. So they're doing like a, they're, you're doing a single file out of Big Lake and then let yeah. you go? Yeah, well, it's going to be yeah, two minute intervals off Big Lake. Oh, okay. They're going to restart at Big Lake, essentially. They're going to restart for the course time. Okay, interesting. So it's, our time doesn't actually yeah. start until it's flat. It's like that getter rod. It's, oh, okay. <laughs> just, different, just different dogs. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, Ponies versus dogs. Yeah, yeah. So basically, essentially, it's like, what, two and a half days to actually, by course time, to complete the race, 2,600 miles? Yeah, yeah, actual time on the sled, yes. How, how does that feel, like, on your bodies? I mean, Two and a half days of riding a snow. I mean, realistically, it's seven days spread out. But it's, the day to day stuff isn't too tough. It, the timing. Yeah. So you can go somewhere and you can be starting at 10 a.m. and you finish at 8 p.m. So, like, that's your day. But then if you have a short layover, then you're waking up at 3 a.m. and you're back on the trail. So it's really just comes down to like that, just switching your schedules, yeah. kind of that really gets and into you. But there's times where it's, you know, diff- there's different mandatory layovers. So then you're just going to the coast. So you could be going just a hundred mile stretch, but you already rode all day, took a four hour break, and then you're going another hundred miles in the middle of the night. And then you have to adjust your sleep schedule to catch back up to be able to leave once you get there six hours later. Right. So yeah. It's just challenging. Yeah, I mean that like, kinda of messed me up a little bit. Anything messes you up. Um so it's not wrong. Let like let's break it down. Like what what does it look like day one? Of Iron Dog. I mean, there's 2,600 miles. You you don't obviously just go and ride 2,600 miles. So, like, we'll break it down. You don't have to tell us our strategy. I mean, so day one is is McGrath. So, uh-huh. we go Big Lake to McGrath. How many miles is that, roughly? 350 miles. Okay. And it's about average time you've been seeing is eight, eight nine hours, somewhere there. So, okay. an average day. It's going to be a little bit longer with the extended start this year being in Wasilla. Right. We're going to have that parade. Mm-hmm. Gonna take a little bit longer, but yeah. So that's uh, what kind of train are you seeing from Big Lake to McGrath? So you start right out on the Susitna River uh, system, and then you go up and over Alaska Range, and then you're just running uh, basically right alongside South Fork, Cusquim, 
down in uh, Nikolai. And then from there, the trail system right now, it's all overland. Uh-huh. There is a river trail running the Cusquim. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the vast majority of it, it's kind of what we're used to right. in the South Central region. Yeah. It's not until you get to the mighty Yukon on the Ruby. That's where it really changes. Yeah. So the first day, it seems like you're kind of, you're hitting really most of the aspects of the whole race in the first day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously I didn't grow up on snow machines and, you know, so I'm sure for some of us people, myself included in this, uh, who don't quite hundred percent understand like what goes into getting prepared for something like this. I mean, it just sounds daunting just listening to it. Obviously, Tyler, you raced it a few times, right? So you yeah, have one, to, one in like, a, it, would you say a tenth? One in a tenth. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have some underlying knowledge, right? right but, right. you know, Growing up having, it, yeah. yeah, like, so for myself and those who probably have no idea what it takes to get ready for something like this, like, what does it take? Well, we start out with four sleds. Um, That's if you have a budget. Most yeah. people can't start with four sleds. FYI. <laughs> That's a lot of money, Tommy. <laughs> so we each have a practice sled and if right. each have a race sled. We build our practice sleds. We put on about 2,000 miles of training miles, testing, suspension. Um, we basically build them identical to our race sleds and uh, try and get training in, figure out what works, what's failing, what okay. we need to brace up and fix. Yeah. So you're, that's four snow machines. So how, when, what period do you start working on your race sleds? Depends on how soon you can get them. Oh, really? Is that, uh, well, yeah. Like, great. especially with just nowadays, it's just how difficult it is to get stuff. Um, Parts included. Perfect world. You're getting your sleds September, October. Mm-hmm. And at that point, some people start working on them. Some people ride them first before they strip them down. Um, we always try to just get a head start and get the little things done that take the most time yeah. and then start building from there. And then you try to hook them on this, you know, have them on the snow a week before the race. Right. But it's, it's every night of the week. <laughs> yeah. There's something to do logistically getting this, ordering that researching this, it ends up being a, a full-time job. Right. seems like you probably don't have any time from September till end of February to do anything but iron dog. Yeah. Not a lot. It's, yeah. it's just a straight iron dog. I mean, we're in the garage till almost midnight last night working on them. So. Well, we, we appreciate you guys stopping by for a little hike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So, once again, <laughs> the naivety of this person right here. Uh, so, you have four sleds, right? You have your practice sleds and your race sleds. So, it sounds like you have quite a bit of work to do on a brand new snow machine. <laughs> so, like, without obviously giving away any trade secrets for you guys, but, like, what... Like, obviously, a, I can't just understand the concept of having a brand new snow machine. You're like, oh, by the way, we have to do all this work to it. So I guess, and like, what do you do? There's a lot of little things. Yeah. Um, so you can just start by storage. So there's right. required items you have to carry. Okay. And so you have to factor all that in. You got to create your storage for it. And then you go into the sled performance aspect. You know, you can't modify the motor. There's a lot of OEM, different rules, part numbers that you have to follow, but you still, like there's different bracing, there's stuff that fails, there's stuff that you know is good for the average consumer, but for the race purpose, yeah, that's what we're basically building as a race purpose snow machine. Right. 
to get views for a week and not turn a wrench on it. That's the goal. Right. Yeah. That is the goal. Having that conversation with Tyler, it sounds like that goal is sometimes really tough to meet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it can end quick. Right. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it definitely, you, I can see what these guys do. Like I said, I've done it myself, but just putting preparation into a race that you, you couldn't even make it off the lake. Sometimes something freak could happen. Like what happened with me that we, uh, we had a torsion shrink over straight through the heat exchanger and just ruined our whole race. It was the most expensive ride I've ever been on. I mean, it was six miles and we were out of the race in six minutes. God, man. So they put a lot of preparation into what they're doing with suspension. I mean, you got to add all the extra fuel because there's spots in the race that you need extra fuel. Right. So you're adding, you know, what are you guys running extra fuel capacity this year? So you try to aim for like that 15 gallon total between Mm -hmm. the stock fuel tank and your auxiliary fuel. Yeah. And uh, consumer sleds now are like, what, 10.8 on roughly? Yeah, so if you're adding another, let's just say four and a half gallons of fuel, that's an extra what forty pounds? Yeah, eight pounds per gallon. Yeah, so you add an extra forty pounds, well, right, and then all your gear and everything. So you're just adding all this extra weight. And like Zach said earlier, the terrain you're going across will beat your sleds to literally death. So you got to figure out how to brace them, get them race purpose ready, so you're not blowing yourself out or the sled out so six miles in and done yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i mean there's section i I, this is my first year doing it so it's exciting um, zach's done it what five times four four so he's got a lot of experience with it and i've been learning a lot from him obviously and uh like we went to mcgrath last weekend two weekends ago for a training ride and there was section probably 20 miles long that had pretty much no snow i mean we're riding across just tundra the burn dude it's, it's frozen so it's it's like right. frozen basketballs is the best way to describe <laughs> it and so you're just hitting it you know and you're bouncing off them and it's you're doing 50 60 across it jeez man yeah it's it's like it's like driving the rumble strips for miles and those rumble strips are the size of basketballs yeah <laughs> you don't have a comfort of you know right leather seats that are heated yeah you know, it's cold yeah <laughs> yeah what uh so tommy's first time this year zach what uh what are your finishes in this race so rookie year uh we took 11th um we had some mechanical issues and then second year was fourth third year was third and then last year we took fifth very nice so you uh you're definitely up there and continue so this year we're going for a uh, first with a rookie right the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal. So uh, kind of jumping back into the actual race. So we talked about the first day, uh, Wasilla. It's weird to say Wasilla to McGrath. But what what kind of after that, do you see like improvements in the trail, like second day, or is it just continually it's, get worse? Weather's, <laughs> weather's a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. It's, as you're going through, so you go McGrath to Ruby, and that's all kind of like rolling type hills uh, overland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's like a cut through a mountain, like a passive or like a portage, but it's kind of that kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, but it is longer sections. You know, there's over format, which is hundred miles and it's kind of a long section. It's desolate. Nobody lives out there. There's random so creek not, crossings. Yeah, you're not passing any population wise people, you know, so it's kind of just you and what other teams are out there. And then once you hit the Yukon, it's you're back on that river system and it's, you know, mile wide, half mile wide, 
and it's as fast as your sled can go most times. Yeah. So you know you're 90 to 100 miles an hour average on that. So that that that's probably like a kind of sense of relief when you when you hit the river. To a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, you get you get going those speeds and things happen really quick. So it kind of it's a little sense of relief because you're not having as many you know those obstacles to overcome. But at those higher speeds, you got to be able to react a little quicker for if things do happen. I think it was um, kind of jumping into last year. Was it last year they had on the river? There was a bunch of like ice breaks that people were hitting and. Uh, or was that closer to like, you know what I'm, there was, I, I'm a, I'm a keyboard warrior now, so I just see pictures, but I, there's something on the river that everybody was hitting and breaking sleds and. The, I mean, they always have some hit surprises in different areas, but for the most part, we're pretty fortunate nowadays that it's so, how do you, like diverse in all the communities out in the villages. Right. That there's villagers coming both ways. And so if there's a potential hazard where somebody gets seriously injured, there's iron dogs send stakes to the villages. They stake out X's, you know, cause it's, everybody wants to make it to the checkpoint. Everybody wants to make it to the finish. Right. And so if they can help someone or get that potential hazard where somebody might, Hey, that might be a hazard. I'm going to slow down versus back in you know, the eighties, nineties. And those guys, they barely even had GPSs. You know, they're kind of just navigating by, what they know yeah you hear some of those old stories like uh rod frank who's like my grandfather he's the one that won the first ever iron dog and he was telling me about like they would literally pack snowshoes so that they could pack their own trail through some of these mountain passes so they could get to the next checkpoint jesus dude that's it's nuts. right right so, so you you snowshoe the whole thing down to get on your sled no well they would just you know they would just go for it and there was right. not really any trail so they get to a point where they're like okay we have because back then there you didn't have right. these sleds well, that were right. 100 and what are you guys at now 120 horse 120 horse ish yeah, right, so, right. yeah yeah so think about back in the day those sleds were like 75 horse and you're trying to go over these mountains they had right. they also had no air support yeah so the race is completely changed it's turned into so back then they did the thousand miles so mm-hmm. they would go big lake to know or gnome to big lake vice versa but now you know we're going there and back 2600 miles but we have air support and it's turned into a sprint race. You know, our, our pace and our speeds are faster than what even in the mid nineties, they were doing it at a thousand miles. So yeah, right. let's, let's jump into that. You talked about air support. What's that? What's the air support so, for the people that don't know? I would say probably the top 10 teams, they all have some sort of air support or outside help where parts are staged or your plane basically follows you. So your plane's always one checkpoint ahead of you. So. You're coming into a checkpoint, your plane's there waiting mm-hmm. in case you need parts. If you don't need anything, he's back up in the air ahead of you. And he might, you know, fly the course and see different rough sections or something. And uh, they're allowed to communicate with you now. Oh, so wow. Like, I didn't radios. know that. Yeah. Um, so, like, we have radios. We can talk to each other. And, you know, it's kind of difficult to hear the plane, you know, a lot of times. But they can usually get something across or whether a team's closing or we're closing in on another team. Just so you have that sense of like, hey, something's going to, you know, someone's going to be there or something like that. But they're always got the parts, you know, we basically put a whole snow machine tore down. Hand tight bolts, you know, so it's all there. Right. Because you got to replace piece by piece. So you can't do a whole assembly, you know, your whole rear skid system, you know, with your both shocks, rails, you can't do that all at once. So say you break a rail, you got to replace the individual rail. So you have everything there complete, 
but you also, you know, it's it's not tight where you're making extra work for yourself. Or right. right. So, you know, with the air support, it kind of, I don't want to say it makes it a little more advantaged if you do have an air support, but it does in all reality. It makes it a lot <laughs> easier. I say so 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but there's other teams that don't have that feature. But um, so what kind of like restrictions does Iron Dog have to basically like you can't just replace the whole sled and do it piece by piece? Like, do they still have that rail stamp and things like that? Yep. So you have to have, you just have to bring that rail with you, right? Even if you replace it. It's so every checkpoint has a Iron Dog official right. or somebody affiliated with Iron Dog. And so they're in communication with the headquarters because it's pretty remote. You know, it's like, they're not going to send somebody out to over where no one lives there. So they designate a checker that volunteers to go there. And then, so our part is turned into them. So that way there's proof that we changed just that physical part. Okay. What about motors? Can you do a motor swap? So you can pull the motor out, but that same motor with that serial number has to be back in that slit. Okay. So is it the serial number off the bottom case or is it? Yep. So you could do a top end and be fine? Yeah. Virtually, yeah. Because at that end of the day, it's a part number, OEM part number right. to replace it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. But you can't replace it as an assembly. Right, right, right. So that you can do sense. parts. Yeah. No, that's interesting. So you got to split it down. So say you turn a rod through the case, but you want to keep going. So you're going to turn in your bottom end, you're going to turn in the crank, you're going to turn in your cylinders if they're damaged, you know, so you're going to turn it all in. You could pull that whole motor out, but that motor you put in there has to go in there piece by piece. It can't just be a direct swap. Oh, interesting. Huh. There's a lot. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot to it. So, I mean, you guys work on these sleds. I mean, like you said, for eight months out of the year, it feels like you get pretty <laughs> fast with working on stuff. Yeah. I feel like Tommy might be faster than Zach. I've watched Zach work on stuff. He's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we done that. Like the recoil, recoil. Remember the recoil back in the day? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, there's a lot to it. A lot of little things that we go through. We basically retorque every single bolt from the factory. We make sure they're Loctited. I mean, just we went through, basically spent a whole day. That's all we did was check every bolt from the factory to make sure that they were torqued to spec and not going to rattle loose on us. And do you guys have any, like, I mean, tricks that you do for, I know back when I raced it, we would do like painter's marks on the bolts just to be able to look down quick glance and make sure it hasn't changed. Yep. You as we torqued them. You, you painted them. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. So it's, that's yeah. more of a, it's not a necessary item, but it's more of a personal quick you're in the checkpoint you got a minute to spare while he's getting fuel or oil or you can just look it over real quick and you can notice something's loose yeah. or something moved or it's kind of like having a notch on something where you can see if it moves so you can be quick and be like okay that bolt backed out a little bit or something yeah. along those lines or it's just gone yeah and yeah well, that's wrong that, yeah <laughs> there's a paint mark there but no no bolt so yeah that's exciting um what kind of like you guys actually like work out or you just ride a lot are you like in the gym or zach says no. not super I've never, i don't think i've ever seen zach ever work out uh, it's, i mean i'm active it's we both play hockey we skate yeah you know i mean that's, stay, i yeah. skate three or four times a week um i think the biggest thing is just this the muscles necessary for riding you know and it's more mental than it is physical mm -hmm. but that's coming from a younger you know you get like chris old you know he's almost 50 or if he is 50 I think for him, he needs to be a little bit more physically like in the gym and get more uh, in shape. 
but for us we're so young that it's more mental and learning and it's like we can go fast and i mean as right. long as you can get back up yeah yeah exactly you're gonna be okay you're gonna figure it out <laughs> right so it's i mean the iron dog race what other like cross sports do you guys like to do that kind of helps you get ready for iron dog like you ride dirt bikes or bicycle or i started getting into some like mountain biking and i've rode dirt bikes in the past but i mean for the most part it's I try to check out for those few months. <laughs> yeah, take a break. Don't have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. You don't have to turn a wrench all summer and something. You know, it's kind of relieving. Yeah, maybe you should take up like knitting or something in the summertime. Just crochet. Yeah, crochet. <laughs> crochet. Yeah, crochet sew machines. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, there's 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 so many things in this race that not everybody knows. But um, what about the logistics of the race? I mean, we talked a little bit about air sport. That's a pretty big a logistical factor there what other logistics do you, i mean where do you guys stay so it's locals mm-hmm. i mean half the time it's with locals you know we're pretty fortunate you know like no it's a pretty big hub so there's hotels there's restaurants so we're kind of more in our element but when we're out in there you know mcgrath it's kind of the same way but say caltech we're staying in people's homes and they're welcoming they're usually giving up their bed they end up sleeping on the floor right. it's I mean, we're, we're treated like celebrities when we get in there and it's, it's always nice. You know, you come into a village at two in the morning and half the village is out there cheering you on, like need a place to stay. What do you need? At sub zero temperatures you know, too. Yeah. It could be 20 below, Man. you know, it's, yeah. but it's just their element and it's, you know, it's kind of, it's like, they say it's like kind of normal, you know, it's like they always look forward to iron dog and then I did a rod and then it's springtime and then they're getting into their summer activities. So, because a lot of these places, you know, it's pretty, wintertime is pretty desolate. You know, it's right. pretty quiet, not much going on. It's dark, it's cold. So, so yeah. you're kind of like the kickoff. Yeah, the kickoff. Of the spring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, love to see it's civilization. To you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Some so. different faces have showed up. Yeah, more. yeah. But there's definitely, you know, we get in there and it's like, some of the food's questionable. Most oh. of the time you're so hungry, you just eat it. Um, but you know, they're, they're, they know it's like, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're city boys. Yeah, we are, you know, there's some racers that are from the village and, uh, but like, you know, getting asked if you want to eat muck talk and, you know, different heritage foods like that. Or like, oh, man, I don't know. You're like, I'm starving. I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you eat some questionable stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, they're there for you and they're doing everything they can for you. Right. Which it's, I want to say it's probably the only race in the world that's like that. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of culture that you're going checkpoint to checkpoint. And if you look at the culture of Alaska, it's not like you're going to one culture the whole way. You have the different types of natives. You have the Athabascans, you have the uh, Inuit. And so there's all this different culture. So you could be eating some down here that you're like close to normal. And then you go to the coast and you're like eating whale and you're like, this is completely different. So what, uh, I'll ask you this, Zach, have you ever had, what was the worst meal or like the most questionable meal you've had? Mine was tuna, tuna casserole and, um, you know, Cleet. it was the best food I've ever ate. Cause I was just starving and starving. And I got to a point where she just kept putting it on and kept putting it on. Like, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And you don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to be like, no, I'm fine. But that tuna casserole felt good, but it definitely was not good when I started riding again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I would say it's quite, everything I've ate has been, it's always, you know, it's like, oh man, like you're questioning it, but it's always, you know, been fine. Yeah. But the most questionable name, uh, I think it was Manly in 2019. We got a cat soup. Oh, goodness. And so we're like, 
You know, I was kind of like thinking, cat, like, 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 you know, like, you know, but at the end of the day, it could be links, you know, it could be something like right. that. Still, I'm like, people trap these and they just get it for the fur, you know, for the trading purpose. But I didn't question it. Tastes like beef stew. And it was good. You liked it? Good. It was good. good. I don't know what it was. It wasn't Tracy's home cooking. You're, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of just prone to whatever you get while you're out there and hopefully it uh, works out for you. What do you look forward to, Tommy? I mean, you, I guess you've heard a lot of stories and you, you've been around the snow machine industry, so you probably know a lot of guys that have done it. What's like, yeah. what's one uh, thing you're looking for? I've been to quite a few of these villages from work okay. um, in the summer, so seeing them in the winter will be totally different. But um, I'm just excited to see the whole course. I, he was, you know, after talking to guys that have raced it, there's a lot of cool stuff you see, but as you're racing, you're going so fast, you're not paying attention to all right. the stuff out there, you know, where we were talking the trail class would be cool just to see some of the sites and actually be able to enjoy them, you know, and right. see what, what's out there. But I'm just looking forward to being able to compete in this, you know, it's yeah. a big, it's a huge commitment and a big, big step. I've been snow machining for years yeah. and done a little bit of cross country racing, but it's all pretty new to me. A lot of this stuff is more all, all, in depth. All, all I want to see is you do a seat grab over something. <laughs> something. <laughs> please. please. Yeah, I've been, been asked that a few times. I've been asked to do a few backflips. Guys are throwing that out okay, there. So, so I, I guess <laughs> totally. we, I haven't, we haven't talked about that, but Tommy is actually into freestyle. So Tommy does okay. tricks. So that's why we're given the gotcha. Little, so when he says backflips, so it's that's totally, a real totally thing. totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so, way different. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying I need to throw a kicker at the finish and... If you were going to compare it to another sport, I would say I do like sprints and hurdles and now I'm training for a super marathon. Oh. So it's, uh, you know, riding a snow machine that, you know, people are like, oh, just riding a snow machine, but they're totally different sports, right. you know, different right. purpose built sleds and what we do with these ones versus what I would do with the different style machine is completely different. Right. You know, yeah. one of my sleds that I do all the tricks on, it's only got a three gallon fuel tank on it yeah. and it runs a hundred, 110 octane fuel and you don't go very far on that. Yeah. Right. You go from ramp to landing, ramp to landing. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fast, zero to 75. Yeah. <laughs> it's, geared, it. it's geared different. Yeah. You're, you're not holding that for yeah. you're, you're not going hours. 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> so Tommy does an hour session and goes home and walks to see it's on the couch. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go do some tricks and then go watch the football game. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, I guess kind of jumping into uh, something else here is um, uh, what about Rex? Do you guys like exactly exact new this question? <laughs> so last year I was sitting in Fairbanks. I was working. You can hear the sigh on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and we talked a little bit about how your race can end pretty quick, but I saw a video of you on the Big Lake Trail. And you were coming down the big lake trail and you were ripping. Like, I'm like, okay, Zach speed. Right. And then all I see is Zach flying and sled rolling. Like how often does that happen? I don't, you know, you guys are out there. We don't have camera footage. We don't have all this. Like how often do you actually get off the sled? Like actually crashing or like, hopefully like, never. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> like he meant unintentionally. unintentionally yeah. Yeah. You don't turn a wrench. You stay on your sled. You finish with the same windshield. You know, it's perfect race, but stuff happens weather changes that could be like play a factor um because you could be going you know south central like alaska range there could be a ton of snow 
as soon as you press over the last range, you go to no snow. Right. And so, and then you could get a little bit farther down the trail and there could be a little bit of snow, but it's all wind drifted, rock hard. It's like hitting concrete. Yeah. But the curbs are three feet tall. Oh, wow. And so, you know, there's really not much forgiveness. So there's so many different trains, you know, if you're the leader, you end up becoming the, the bump dummy is what they call you. Yeah. And so you're just, your job is to just keep it together and just kind of find that pace right? where you can kind of handle everything. Um, but I mean, it happens. It's the beginning of the race. You get so many nerves, you get excitement. You've been down the same trail a hundred times. You've hit that same bump a hundred times and it just changed. Right. You know, and that's what happens too. you know, the first team down the trail can hit a bump and it's fine. And then, you know, by the 30th team, 30 team, that bump's completely different. It's all blown out and water. So, yeah, yeah. It's completely different. Be, you know, yeah. a little bit taller. It could be peaked out. You know, there could be a line around it. And so you come into a lot of these areas and a lot of it is single track where the trails, the trail, but you know, closer to civilization, there's trails everywhere. Right. And not every trail is staked or we don't have every trail on our GPS. So you could be taking a new trail or a new line that you've never taken before. Yeah. And it just takes one bump, you know, it's, there's always that one team. I was pretty fortunate last year, but yeah, you know, that's a lot of teams, you know, they could just get hurt right there and you've got right. five miles of the race, you know, a competitive team that's got everything, four sleds, all the right parts, plane support, doing everything kind of what you need to do to be competitive and to try and win. It's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It's not cheap. So yeah, and it could all end, you know, that's where it's hard. It's like a bolt could fatigue, you know, just a bad bolt batch, you know, something could end your race just right then. So how do you hand, like, how do you handle that mentally? I mean, we talk, we're talking a lot about like physically, like on the sled and your body's like, do you see your mental capacity or your mental like health, like breaking down through the race? Or like, how do you handle that? Do you? Tom got a good, good lesson of it. Uh, when we went to McGrath, he had a couple parts that failed. Um, self-inflicted or not, one of them, you know, could have just been bad manufacturing. But at the end of the day, it's pretty mentally draining just knowing that you can't go the pace that you need to go or you want to go. Yeah, yeah it it definitely takes a toll on you. You know, when it's you've been riding for eight or nine hours and you break apart and you got to limp into a village and you know, on our training run, we didn't obviously didn't have air support or anything. So when we got to Nikolai, I cruised around the village and found a guy with a similar sled and borrowed the part off of him so I could keep riding. And yeah. then I mailed it back to him when, when I got home. back to town. That's that's awesome. I mean, so, it's cool that they are able to like. Yeah, the, the native the yeah. villages, they're pretty, like Zach was mentioning earlier, like it's it's a big deal to them. So they're pretty, usually pretty willing to uh, help you guys out and do whatever they can to keep you going. Yeah, that's uh, my first year. Um, we laid over in Kalina. So I blew a belt coming out of Ruby. We were told to change belts in Ruby because you're going to get wide open river. The belts were a little bit different a few years ago. Um, we didn't because we didn't feel we needed to because we our sleds weren't running that great. We're like, oh, they'll be fine. We'll make it to Galena. We'll change it there. We don't want to lose any more time. I blew a belt time out of that Ruby. So, so, it, so like the mental, like you so were like. It was just like, man, rookie mistake. First year, it happens. That's kind of why, you know, it's a learning curve. So didn't think anything of it. Cleaned out the belt, changed it, went to Galena, went on our layover. 
And then, so that layover is different. So you kind of get there still in daylight. Yeah. And then you're making the push to the coast, but it's only like a six or eight hour layover. So you're riding all during the night to get to Uniclete to get to the coast. Right. The top teams will push on to Caltech. Right. Um, probably about midfield back we'll lay over in Galena. Mm-hmm. And we got halfway to Caltech. There's a little uh, village called Nolato. No idea it was there. Don't see any lights. Don't see anything. My sled belt slipping. Um, I ended up taking on a crank seal when I blew that belt. Oh, goodness. But all of a sudden, all these snow machines, you know, we stopped on the middle of the river trying to figure out what it was, where all this oil was coming from. And then all the 10 sleds come right at us. It's two in the morning. And we're like, where are these people coming from? Right. You know, we had no idea where we were. And then we we're only a couple miles from the lotto, but it's still just like they knew we were coming. They saw where we were at, saw we, we stopped. And so it's like, there's people out there, you know, there's guys that they try to race you, you know, it's a big deal. You know, kids get on their sled and they're following you down the streets when you come in, you know, it's because it's just excitement, it's joy, it's what they want to do when they grow up because they watched it all growing up. But it's just, there's so many variables. Yeah, it's, it's, crazy. it's crazy. And the one thing that I thought was really cool and was uh, I came into um, Caltag, I was pulling into Caltag and it was my first year, you know, first year race at Iron Dog. And there was like four of these kids, they were like six or seven, and they had signs that had my name on them. And I'm like, you know, I'm a nobody, right? And they were just like yelling my name, go Tyler, go Tyler. And you're like looking like, okay, what's, you know? They just reused Tyler Acklestad yeah, signs. They, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was the second Tyler coming, they're like, we'll add a one to this number and make it work. But exactly, yeah. So it's kind of cool to see that. You get that people know your name, they want to take pictures with you, they want to talk to you and kind of... You ultimately become a celebrity for a week. You know, it's you're signing autographs, yeah, getting pictures taken, high fives. You know, and it's every village, and at any hour, any temperature, there's gonna be somebody there waiting for you. Right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, to, uh, like, you know, actually, so, well, because you know, unless obviously you've been part of the race, you just don't see it. Like, it's not like they have cameras or news crews in every village or whatever, right? right. Like. Yeah. So it's, it's cool to get like a, that perspective of. It's definitely different. I mean, the one thing that kind of sticks out in my head too, was I was going from old woman's cabin towards Unicle and just riding on the tripod trail. And I was, I thought I was ripping. Right. So, you know, I'm looking down and I'm getting it like 65, 70 and this sled passed me. It's like a 380 fan cool dude has beaver hat on, just rips by me the other direction. And I'm like, wave at him, you know, being all nice. And the next thing I know, this dude's next to me, like right next to me, pulling a like trapper sled. And he's just waving his arms. I'm like, what the heck? And so my partner, same thing, we had radios and he's like, what's that guy doing? I was like, I don't know. I think he's like signaling me. So we were rookies. We were like, maybe he knows a faster way. So we like followed this dude and he put us on this trail that was a super highway into Unicleet. And I had no idea where I was. And it was just out of nowhere. This dude on his 380 fans just like waving me by. So the big joke in our team was just follow, just go right and follow the guy with the, you know, the beaver hat. So it's really, have you guys experienced any like people trying to race you or get you off course? Or? <laughs> so, so last year, uh, we were leading going, uh, where were we leaving? I think it was like Kiana, right before Kotzebue. Yeah. Um, us and team six were kind of battling. And we pass them right at the checkpoint and we get back onto the river system and I start seeing snow dust. And I was like, oh man, another team must have passed us or something, you know, where we didn't see them. 
So we're going, we're going, we're going. I'm finally starting to see like the back of this guy and I see a big backpack and I'm like looking and I was like, that's an old sled. I was like, so it's early 2000s, like a Yamaha triple, 700 triple, whatever they are. And there's this dude, you know, I'm barely catching him and he's kind of pulling away in a lot of sections. Backpack, beaver hat, pair of goggles, sitting down like he's riding a lazy boy. <laughs> he played with us. And then uh, I finally got around him in some bump, like a bump section where he had to go slower. And then my partner thought that I was him. So then he was pacing with him. And then finally, when we got to a wide open section, he could see me way up ahead. And then he's like, what in the world? And this dude raced us all the way to Cotsview. And then added us on Facebook and said, hey, nice ride. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you and, you and that's so funny. But, that's you know, awesome. Guy's probably going to tell his kids about that. You know, oh, I raised these iron doggers running the cops. Yeah, I was you know, leading like, the iron dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of the mental things, you know, like you can't get caught up in the moment. Some of that stuff, you know, it's all funny to laugh about, but I was probably pushing harder than I need to just to get around them. Right. Just because you want clean air in front of you. Yeah, you want that clean track in front of right. you so you can you can see those you know, bumps. You can and they're see not thinking, they're not out there to, you know, jeopardize somebody's race or harm, you know. But they're, they're there to help. They're there to do anything possible to help you. Yeah. You know? And so when you go to a village, it's anything you need. It's right. What parts do you need? How can we help? Right. Do you need a place to stay? Do you need some food? Yeah. You want some cat soup? Yep. So, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we've touched on quite a bit here, but uh, you talked about what it takes to do this race. You said about a hundred grand. How do you guys, what do you, I mean, what do you do for a living, Zach? So uh, I do service work uh, for Three Bears. So I do a lot of field station maintenance and then kind of move more into like a project manager type role. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I, I work year round. Right. You know, a lot of the guys that do race work half a year, you know, they work summer months construction. Um, so it's a little bit more of a grind, yeah. say for me, where I'm still working full time, Friday, yeah, all winter long, and so it's you know I only get weekends or my time to go train or going on a night ride on a weeknight, wrenching every night in the garage. So I mean, you're probably putting in what 15, 16 hour days during the yeah, winter winter months. Yeah, come January, it's a little bit more crunch time. You know, it's yeah, work a ten hour day at work, and you come home, and you're in the garage till midnight. Yeah, so you're you're pushing quite a bit of yeah, that's incredible. Long makes a long, long day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what about you, Tommy? I'm a foreman for quality asphalt paving, so I normally work summer months. But this job that I'm doing right now is having us work through the winter here. So the one year I decide that I'm going to race Iron Dog, they have work for me all winter in Anchorage. So now I'm commuting in working all winter. Oh, so it's made it more difficult, but it's actually worked out times. I've been able to grab parts and get yeah. stuff done while I'm in Anchorage here. And yeah, that's nice. It's, yeah. it's worked out a little bit, but it's definitely some late nights and lack of sleep trying to get stuff together. And yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of, what about, where do you guys get help sponsor wise? So I've been pretty competitive and, you know, I've gotten some good finishes. So I get quite a bit of support from players. Uh-huh. Um, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a rise what they call it. So it's not like full factory where they're paying you, but you know, I do get some sleds, do get some parts. Um, and all the kind of support, technical data support. And then uh, our biggest sponsors, uh, who I work for, Three Bears, um, they actually bought two of the sleds this year. Um, but it's, you know, it's just to get in the race, right off the bat, say, I want to race Iron Dog, you get signed up, $3,500 each. Right. So you have the initial factor. 7000 yeah. 
And if you need your sleds, you know, we're pretty fortunate, you know, with the race department and stuff like that, we're able to get our sleds, you know, hey, we're gonna need them, you know, we're telling them in July. But if you're committing to it, you're committing in March to snow check sleds. That way you guarantee you're gonna have your sleds for the following year. Right. So you're committing so early and so money's coming out like right now. But you know, it's I'm pretty fortunate. All my sponsors ever since my rookie year, you know, one or two might come or go, but for the most part, it's the same sponsors. Some give more support one year, some a little less the next year, but it's been pretty consistent for me. Yeah. Um, and then Tom, he came on and he was able to bring some more sponsors on too, which I didn't, I mean, it's there, you know, it's not so much advertisement because we're not, you know, televised or anything like that. So it's, it's more of a passion to them too. Right. You know, they enjoy the racing factor and they enjoy the excitement of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, so initially going into the race, if like Joe Schmo down the road and whatever state wanted to come up, do it. So that's probably where that big hundred grand comes in. It's like a shell shock, but it sounds like you guys, you know, with your experiences and your family and whatnot, you kind of have that backing of, you don't actually have to fork up a hundred grand after you do it a few times. Yeah. It's still expensive. Even, oh, yeah. even if it's not a hundred grand, you know, you're still buying you know, parts. And then one weekend, you know, you take out a couple of A-arms, there's 800 bucks real quick, you know, <laughs> or yeah. just fuel. I mean, fuel is expensive. And there's 12 bucks a gallon to buy it until a oh, rainy pass right now, man. Yeah. So, you know, it's 120 bucks pretty much to fill up our main tanks to just do a training run. So that's, that's right. two, 240 bucks a whack every time you go to, yeah. Plus, you know, squinting a fuel, and yeah. then, you know, yeah. plus fuel in big lakes. So it adds right. up, you know, you training truck fuel, you know, so if you're driving, Commute from Anchorage out to Wasilla to start riding. Yeah. Or vice versa. You know, you got truck fuel, you know, you got it's just it's it, a lot. It adds up. It's it adds a up lot quick. to take in and then you look at these teams coming from out of state or out of country, you know, there's teams from Canada and down Minnesota, Wisconsin area. Yeah. There's a few teams from down that way and they're driving up right now to be here in time for the race, you know. So right. they're shipping right. either shipping sleds up ahead of time and flying up or driving up with their sleds. That's or who's getting free room and board right now. Who's getting there? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, was, yeah. Um, the, I have a team that's staying with my parents right now. And that's what's the biggest thing was logistics getting sleds up here is just because shipping right now, they just got, because they're only running two sleds because they didn't want to fork up for four sleds. He just got his sled on Friday. So he, and that's where it's like, he's got, it's like, I, I think it's awesome that they're coming up, you know, they're experiencing new, it's completely new to any racing circuit that they come up, you know, there's guys from out of state that come up and on the stat sheet, you know, there hasn't been too much success for them. I think there's, you know, I think Corey Davis, Ryan Simons, Ryan's from Canada, and it took him quite a few years to kind of figure it out. Um, but I think he's the only out of state person on the, ever on the podium. Right. No, that's, that's true. I don't think I've ever seen anybody from it's, out of state on the podium. You know, we're, we're still working on race sleds. You know, we can work on until the night before the race because we have everything here. They're finished with their race sleds by mid-January, end of January. So that way they can make their trek to five to seven day trek up to Alaska. Right. Yeah. But then they have no miles on our train. It's just completely different than what right. a lot of people expect. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, there's just so many different variables going into it. I mean, we've talked a lot about the physical train, the physical on your body, the mental, and then just logistics. I mean, there's so much that goes into this race and yeah. And all those things don't even make up the biggest percentage, which is luck. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All this preparation, you know, the right mental mindset, you know, sleds are 100% dialed, everything's perfect, and it's just 2% of bad luck, and it just ends your race in five minutes. Yeah. I mean, you look at, like, Casey and Brian last year, you know, running, they were first place, had a pretty good lead, and what, 30, 50 miles out, they started having problems right before the finish and ended up in second, you know. Yeah, didn't they? But they blew them up. They, they ended up towing into the finish. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, they blew up one sled and then uh, started towing with the other sled. Blew that one up. And that sled had bigger motor issues. So then they were towing with a sled that was only running on one cylinder. Oh, jeez. And then we had so, a bunch of snow locally. So not all the trails got touched. And, you know, so we have different shortcuts and different stuff like that. And you try to take the risk first reward, you know, like there's one hill that we'd have to go up versus all these other hills, but it's less traveled. Right. And so they ended up stuck in that one section and, you know, they're trying to make tracks with, you know, a sled running on one cylinder. Then they have to try and tow through it. And right there, just the mental mindset of just defeat kind of outweighs everything. Right. I mean, and it's, yeah, uh, but then you still have to regather and it's like, there's still money on the line, you know, it's still a podium, you know, and it's, and when stuff like that happens, you don't know where the other teams are. Right. You know, yeah. So the like, team that won didn't even know they won when they got in there because they thought they were so far behind and then something like that happens, you know? Right. Man. Yeah. Just the amount of like frustration yet like drive at the same time. But the thing too, is like, just like Tommy said, like you don't know where anybody is. So you could be, you know, an hour ahead or if you leave Squinna and they're like, yeah, you're 45 minutes ahead. And all you, I like, I can imagine all you're thinking is you're having, you're counting. You can hear that counter one minute, one minute, like you're losing that time. And I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. I'm not a very patient person, so I lose my cool pretty quick. But like, if you can figure out how to stay calm, stay collective and not make those extra mistakes to add up that time, you're like, okay, time's clicking off right now. But if we figure out how to make this happen quick and effective, we might still get that first. We might still make the podium. Like it's, that's what makes it unique to me is like the unknown because you could be in first, you could be in fourth, and next thing you know, you're in first. Like, you don't know. Yeah. It's like you're just out riding with your partner on a sunny day or, I mean, well, well, yeah, hopefully. You just go out for a little trail ride and, you know. Next thing you know, 2,600 miles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But every day it's just a trail ride, you know. It's like, oh, we're just going to McGrath today. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that the mentality you set Zach for yourself is just like, I try to, cause you can get pretty caught up in the moment. You know, it's all these guys at the end of the day are racers. Right. And so you kind of get that racing mentality, but that racing mentality is it's a 20 minute race. Right. Most times yeah. or it's a set distance, but when you're going and you still have another 2000 miles after that you still have to go, that's where you kind of just like, okay, just get there clean, no issues. If we lost a couple minutes, we can gain it back somewhere else. Right. And so that's just how you kind of kind of take it day to day. But it's hard. It's you get weather or you make one wrong turn on a trail and then you have to backtrack a little bit or something, you know, it's just and then you get rushed and then you start going and it's like, okay, we're gonna make it up. And then you could break something because you're pushing that little bit extra. So it's just it's all experience though. You know, right. it took me I'm still learning every ride, right. but you know, I'm getting a lot better understanding. Now I see why all the champions, you know, they're, they're usually 10 year veterans in right. that time frame, you know, yeah. just to learn all the unknowns. Yeah. 
but the pace has also changed too you know what it was 10 years ago is not what it is today right like you said earlier about you know a thousand miles is what you guys do the whole race in so yeah what about you tommy what do you expect for you mentally like how are you going to kind of pace yourself you just going to kind of pace off zach or like yeah mentally for you like you're going to race just checkpoint to checkpoint and just keep that was going. kind of my plan was checkpoint checkpoint just focus on getting to the next one clean like you said because you know trying to make up a minute by going an extra 10 miles an hour here and there isn't going to make or break the race in the long term if you wipe out, you know, and yeah. crash and break something, you know, because they we're basically pushing these sleds to the limits as far as what they're going to hold up to, you know. Right. I mean, 2,000 miles, usually a sled's going to need a lot of, DLC. you know, an everyday rider. If you have 2,000 miles on your machine, you're going to need to start putting, replacing parts, bearings, stuff like that, you know. And if you're pushing that hard, you're wearing out stuff faster and it's it's hard it's hard on him like you said a lot of it comes down to luck how well everything yeah. holds up and right. you know it's yeah. there's a lot to it but Hopefully yeah not. day by day checkpoint by checkpoint and just try and stay focused the whole time you know you know one thing i did my first time this is kind of funny it, it worked for me is i would look at my gps and uh i rode with one of the new gps's they're way bigger than the one i had the 276s are just mm -hmm. giant right I would look at the miles and I'd go 10 miles at a time. I'd be like, okay, I need to go 10 miles. And it would like help me stay in the loop of the race to try to. I'm not bad about counting miles. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> some of the rough sections, you're just like, oh, okay. And then you see a sign, you know, because there's, it's a historic Iditarod trail that we're riding. Right. And so there is different signs and different, you know, shelter cabins, different places for those, you know, rural travels. But you see those signs and it's like, oh, 30 miles. Okay. I'm going to be there in 35 minutes. Yeah. You know, and that's where you get mindset. And then it's like 10 minutes later, you're like, why am I not there yet? Like it, that probably happens on the coast a lot, just cause you can see pretty far if you are doing in the daytime. It's, I notice it more in practice. Yeah. It's a little bit more draining Right. because the race it's so new. A lot of that area, you know, we know our area very well, every bump, every turn, you know, where we're at, how long it's going to take us from here to there. And then you get into those unknowns and it's all new. So you're kind of taking in everything around you and you do got to focus. You know, there's some parts, it's like, it's old mining towns in the middle of nowhere, a couple hundred miles from nothing. Yeah. And you're looking at these cranes, you're looking at old equipment and you're like, how did they get this out here? <laughs> right. Next thing you know, there's wind drift right in front of yeah. you, you know, it's like, it's just, there's so many unknowns on that kind of side of things, but it's, you just got to stay, stay going down the trail. Yeah, for sure. So what, I mean, we talked to you guys already talked a little bit about your strategy, but like from start to finish, what's the biggest thing you would tell people if they got in this race? Like what's the biggest advice for the pace? Just figure out a comfortable pace and hope you got luck on your side or what you're comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, the only comfortable part of pace is time. Right. So the more time you put on your sled or the harder you push training, to get more comfortable in that speed yeah that's where you need to ride mm -hmm. and so you know we can ride with another top team you know that place one spot above us or behind us and they could be way faster in one section but then we're way faster in another section it's all just that comfort level right and that's where you kind of this i mean there's different areas where you can get held up behind a team but you just gotta be patient you're gonna push your equipment trying to pass those people you're gonna break something yeah, so it's kind of getting out of that mentality of like racing and racing in the present and kind of thinking about the future. 
It's completely different than a short distance. Oh yeah, race. I mean, like, like you yeah. talk about like Mayor's Cup, like you're wide open and you're gonna wreck your stuff just to get by the next guy going yeah, into or the. Yeah, you're gonna move them out of the corner if you need to. You right. Know, it's like that position's valuable. Where this is like you know, maybe we'll pass them to the checkpoint. We'll be a little bit quicker. We'll pass them tomorrow. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll get them tomorrow, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's, you know, it's, it's there's so much time that can be made up, but there's so much time that can be lost. Right. And so it's those little mental things that you can lose everything. Yeah. Just by one second of bad luck. Do you ever get like, like, what's the right word? Um, Mentally fatigued? Yes. Yeah. Do you feel like you're like getting in that like delusional state of mind? Especially when the weather's bad. Um, you get on the coast, you know, it's, it's dark. Could be blowing 30, 40 miles an hour. Could be a blizzard whiteout. You can only see 10 feet in front of you. The only reliability you have is your GPS. And you're staring at your ski tips and your GPS, you know, kind of one eye on each for miles and miles. And then once you get to the opening or just halfway through it, you just like kind of come to realization. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And you have no idea where you're at. You know, if you turn that GPS off, you're stopped. You have no idea where you're going. Yeah. You and you got ocean on one side of you and jumbled ice on the other side of you that you're trapped between, you know, man. Yeah. It's, you can lose. I, I mean, I, I don't know how those guys ever race without GPSs. I mean, I just, it blows my mind. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, like you talked about, um, just like recreational riding, you go out and you get in some kind of ground storm and you don't have a GPS, you're at a standstill, like trying to figure out where you turn around going home. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, we have to go point A to point B. Right. You can't turn like, around. That's what the race is about. So it's, we're going through it. Yeah. And that's where strategy and timing comes into a lot of that too, is there's been times where teams lay over different than other teams and the weather passes, you know, one way or the other, or it comes in on them and they get held way up. You know, right. there's, there's different, some sections are actually faster to run in the dark with our uh, auxiliary lights we run. You can see better, you know, yeah. than if it's flat light, it's hard to see definition versus having our headlights. You know, there's certain things like that that come into factor too. Right. with strategy and it's kind of day by day you know as as you're going yeah i mean it's, it just seems like you know of course over the over a few days so many options with weather and variables you know and it's almost like you get to like take the race in as I mean, literally like in the moment of it's you know you can pre-plan part of it you know just all from what I'm hearing, right? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I haven't raced it. Yeah, you have a game plan. But right, never, but... You never follow a game plan. Right, yeah, but it just seems like there's so many variables that could potentially just, I mean, throw a, throw a wrench, right, into yeah. the entire a, a thing. Good pun, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, I try. Yeah. Zing. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, just, man, it's just, it's really got to keep you on your toes. And it's like, yeah, so you have your perfect world, you know, you're trying to put... I'd say most days are in that 300 mile range, three to 350, 400. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then there's days where, you know, coming back, we did Kotzebue last year and we're like, we're just trying to get as far down the trail as we can. So we went Kotzebue to Galena. I don't know the mileage off the top of my head from that one. Laid over for an hour, got some food, and then we left and we went all the way to McGrath. And that distance, Kotzebue to McGrath, is like driving from Seattle to San Francisco. Holy cow. And we just did that in a day. Yeah, you know, we left at six a.m. and we got there, you know, at midnight or one. But that's but that's just that the just moment. Covered that's just three quarters of our trip back in one day, and then we just gave ourselves a longer rest period. Right for the we final day on the trail, you know, yeah. 
Because it does, you know, your motor, you know, the long, the more miles, hours on it, it does start fatiguing too. Right. And so starting it, doing the cold starts, that kind of, it does start wearing on it harder. Right. So, but at the, I mean, most times everybody just kind of follows what the leader does. Right. You know, because that's the goal. You don't want to break trail for the leaders. That's just a rookie mistake. Right. You know, so snow two feet, they laid over, you're going to lay over right behind them. You're going to make them push their equipment and break that trail before you do. It feels like, you know, we really talk about it. It just comes to mind as like cat and mouse. Like you're just cat and mouse, cat and mouse, cat and mouse all the way to the finish and see who gets there first, who's the cat at the end or the mouse at the end. So, yeah, that's it's a crazy race. And I'm glad you guys got an opportunity to come and talk to us about it. And we wish you luck. Lots of luck. Yeah, We're- <laughs> yeah absolutely, man. It sounds, yeah. it sounds exciting, but also... Um, where um so you guys uh if anybody wants to follow you guys during the race where can they find you the best place is facebook uh it's a team five davis wise i'll drop the link in the description for you guys Uh, (laughs) as far as following the race the iron dog website has a gps track deal on it and then there's then there's a facebook page for iron dog as well that has pretty good live updates from locals will go live on there um, the coverage is kind of tough to follow on this race because it is so remote. A lot of these places don't have any kind of cell phone service. So, yeah. you know, there's nothing there. So, I mean, it's it's difficult. But like I said, I'll be following the ping. I'll be refreshing. Yeah. I won't get anything done for a week. <laughs> yeah. So that. And if we don't respond, you know, if we're stopped there for hours on end, we're, we're probably not stuck there. It's just slow pinging. Yeah. There's different areas, you know, it's. Oh man, that, that thing, that thing freaks me out. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, you know, me and Zach have been friends for a long time and, um, I'll watch his ping and he'll be sitting in that spot and it's like not pinging for like five hours. And I'm like freaking out. I'm calling his mom. I'm calling people. I'm like, what's wrong with Zach? And finally he'll actually like text me and be like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) So there are spots where they actually, you know, can, you know, shoot a quick text. I would say Iron Dog Group is, uh, I think the Facebook page name. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the best up to date um chris does a good job a lot of volunteers a lot of past racers uh there's a pastor stan brown does split times you know so he's calculating split times just for not so much like the it's really nice for us racers just so we can see it right yeah oh okay they you know they're pulled this kind of speed or whatever but zach's in on facebook uniquely (laughs) (laughs) it's good info though you know and then Locals will post updates from their village or whatever, you know, so we could see trail conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, the trail class, they're, you know, they leave two days ahead of us, so they're kind of breaking the trail kind of for us. Right. But nine times out of ten, a snowstorm comes in and their tracks are gone. Yeah. So it's kind of not, it's not really much, you know. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, they still give us tips, you know, it's like, hey, there's a lot of, you know, hazards in this area. Right, so right. Just because it's such a sprint race now, you know, it used to be, I'd probably say those guys were cruising 45, 50, right. you know, a lot of the areas that we're doing 90 now. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, and it's, and we're always kind of on edge, but we're on edge in a comfortable way. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about 22. What, uh, with the snow conditions and everything this year, what do you guys, what's it look like? I mean, I heard the coast is pretty bad this year. It's, uh, it's just, but it can change. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's two it's weeks. Be different you know, it's a week and a half till a race. Yeah, it's going to be so. different next week. So and that's where, so my rookie year, uh, Unicleat, there's a ground, there's a weather delay. So they actually held us in Unicleat per day. 
and then restarted all of us, kind of set us out kind of different course times. But so we all had a gap, but we could all kind of get there together. Right. Worst case. Um, and one of the leaders, Mike Morgan, punched in a track, went out on the sea ice. And we could see all the different cut lines. We had mechanical issues, so we were held up kind of towards the back of the pack. We're kind of just trying to make up time. We shouldn't have been doing what we we're doing, but we made up time. But you could see the cracks in the ice. The next day, all the ice is gone. Oh, wow. It was just oh, pure geez. open water. So at the end of the day, it was kind of a floating iceberg, but it just can all just change. So you go to Nome on the ice, it can all blow up the next day before you leave. And then you gotta go overland. And then you're going overland, so it's a completely different route. Right. And so, you know, rookie year, a lot of these new people, they don't have all these tracks. You know, I have tracks saved all over. The sea ice is never the same. Right. So those tracks are kind of out the window. You're kind of going by fuel. What what you see, and by right? tracks, you mean your GPS track, GPS right? Track. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just so, so everybody I mean, understands. There's no established track. I wish they kind of would. I think it would level the playing game a little bit more. Uh, where they just set the course, everybody follows it. Right. But at the end of the day, it's the fastest from here to here to here back to finish. Yeah. Yeah. So, so realistically, where you're telling me you guys don't have a game plan, you're just going day by day in the race. And I mean, you have your game plan, obviously, like you said, keep your stuff together and don't crash. And it's, it's such a rough, it's, we're being told it's a rough year. Oh. So, but 2,600 miles, it's keep your, keep your machines intact. And you're gonna finish pretty decently if you don't have to turn a wrench. Right. So just you ready to make do it? Sure it's in you ready? You ready to race? <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, we were actually talking about this. Um, I hadn't told anyone, but uh, me and my dad are gonna do the trail class next year, just because he's never done it and he's been a part of the race for so long and helping teams and you know doing the parts thing. So one day I'll get there. Wait, yeah, want to go? Get Dave to go. This is the Dave's, the Dave and Dave. Yeah. So just to see some of the sights. I mean, I don't know. It's just. You get out there and it's, it's 40, 50 below. You know, when you're racing, it's like it, you don't think about it. You're right. cold, but you don't think about it. Yeah. But when you're out there for fun and you don't have much money into it, I don't know if I'd have that same desire. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I, I don't really look forward to it, but, you know, father wants to try it and get to But there's some days where it's like, you know, it's 25, 30 degrees, sun shining, bluebird sky, snow's good, sleds are riding good. And you're just like, man, this is, this is awesome. This is the you life, know, you yeah. And you're seeing new stuff. You're going through different places. You're, you know, it's just completely different terrain, you know, or you're just doing a hundred up the coast on the sea ice. Hoping it doesn't wash away. <laughs> yeah, it's just smooth. And you're just like, man, this is unreal. You know, you got the ocean to your left. You can see it. You know, it's all wide open water. You can see the villages that you're passing on the coast up on the, up on the hillsides. And it's like, man, this is pretty fortunate, pretty lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's pretty, it's awesome. That's pretty cool. Anything else you want to talk about with them? I mean, you look like you're a little overwhelmed here. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously it's, it's like the world's longest snow machine race. Right. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to it. Yeah. And so I, mean, I think way more it. than most people really kind of understand on how much goes into it. Yeah. You know, it's not just a order a sled and jump on it and go do a race. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. They're blowing, they're doing eight miles an hour. Like, yeah. That's a long thousand miles. Yeah. Yeah. With some dogs. <laughs> yeah. They're sleeping on the trail, you know? It's right. Like they're packing their hay out of checkpoints and they're spreading out for their dogs and then they're curling up in a little sleep bag. Right. Yeah. Sleeping for a couple hours because they're tending to the dogs all night, you know, getting right. fed and everything. I'm like, that's a different type of toughness right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's. 
And it just takes longer too, you know? Yeah, that's why. Yeah. And they take, was it 10 to 12 days? Yeah, 10 to 12. Yeah. 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 And that's a thousand miles. Yeah. You guys are doing it in two and a half days on track time and then, yeah, seven days for the whole week. So, yeah, what will be in Nome Tuesday? When, Monday night? Yeah, so, yeah, so start, what's the dates? Yeah. So we start February 19th. Okay. Uh, we leave them in our 10 a.m. It's the first team out. Um, they're doing one minute intervals, so everybody will be out within that hour. Okay. Um, and then we do the restart on Big Lake. I don't think really public's involved at all. I don't, we haven't heard those kind of logistics, but we know it's two minute intervals leaving, uh-huh. So that, which is normal. Um, so usually we get to McGrath like right at darkness. So we'll go to McGrath. And then the second day, you usually go to Gleaner or Caltech. Uh-huh. Um, and then you have a layover there because there's mandatory layovers. So it's 30 hours northbound. Right. Which might change due to the Cotsby loop. So it might just be 20 hours. Right. Um, and that's what they're saying. That is take 20 hours between the start of the race to know. Yeah. Yeah. have, to have so, 20 hours of rest. And yeah. there's, but in McGrath, it's kind of a, a restart for overall course time. So you could left. 30th but you were the fastest course time there so you're leaving first time to grab gotcha but you weren't the first let into the ground saw split times yep. yeah yeah the, so to wear. the first day is a little hard to follow because you can look at the gps ping and have no idea where anyone's at until everyone gets there and they kind of re- reassess right. same thing with gnome right they re- we restart out of gnome after we restart yep so leaving mcgrath leaving gnome complete restart everybody's leaving in the position that they're in right but then if you lay over in Kalina and you're the leader, but the fifth place team continues to Caltech, they're technically farther down the trail, so they're going to get ahead of you on the stat sheet. But course time, if you do your math, that's where it gets real confusing of doing the split times, course times. Yeah, that's why we have Stan Brown on Facebook for yeah. us. <laughs> help us do all that. Nine, times, nine times out of ten, yeah. your top five teams, they're in order of how they are on the trail. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I look, I look forward to uh, watching you, obviously, Tyler tracking you guys and they give me updates. Yeah, man. So who's your pilot this year? Is it Brian? Yep. So Brian Turner, uh, he owns Last Frontier Contracting. Um, yeah, he'll be here tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, he's doing a builder consultation for us, but I'm okay. trying to get him in here to do a podcast. We should building. do it. I mean, since he's going to be here, might as well. I'm going co- to coax him into it. So, yeah. yeah. We can try to do a wrap-up with him. That'd be fun. Because he sees different parts of it, too, where... You know, he lands, locals help him out with the pickup, drive him around. You know, usually he's there ahead of us, so he's trying to figure out lodging too, or he's trying to figure out who we talk to. Because, you know, like with COVID, some families, you know, if they're a little bit tighter, you know, if they're higher risk, you know. It's, right. So we're kind of at that, you know, so we'll, we'll stay wherever. You right. Know? Yeah. right. And yeah. so he's trying to figure that stuff out too, and then he gets a whole other weather perspective where he's up in the air, you know. His risk is a lot higher than our risk, right? You know, so we're down on the ground in the ground storm, and he's either trying to get over it, or he's turned around and he's stuck, right? And so yeah. you know, he's stuck behind us, and then he's still you know trying to figure out a way to help us, yeah, playing that game. You know, it's they're all on small planes, so that way they can land wherever. So you need two planes, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, we need two a, planes, four sleds. Yeah. We need a paved runway. Yeah. With, uh, <laughs> QAP's right here, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make something happen. I am hard every village. That is, yeah, that'd be or the ticket. Yeah, that'd be Perfect the ticket. Weather. Yeah. So. You know, so you kind of play that game. So it's 
that's where you can have a plane. They might make it to McGrath, and then they get weathered in a Galena. You never see them on the whole coast. Right. So right. then that can, can change your whole strategy. Like, we have no air support. We have to make sure we don't have any issues. Right. So you could back it down a little bit, where the risk-risk-reward for another team going faster and have no issues, they can make up or put a lot of time on someone. Right. Well, there's a lot Are there. Are you taking notes for when you race it? I did, actually. <laughs> yeah. Mentally. Men- mental notes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. What do you, uh, we talked about sponsors. you guys want to thank anybody for going live? Yeah, I'll try to go down my list. So, uh, players, three bears, um, and then we have, you know, we get into some more, like, the actual stuff we use. Um, so, you get, like, you know, your studs, carbides, um, and then... Windshields, windshield, you know, all the port, you know, little important stuff. It's so many little pieces, and there's so many Alaskan companies that step up. Um, Inspire Realty, you know, you guys pitched in and helped out, so it's 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 a little from everyone, right, to make it all happen. Yeah, and I mean that's the biggest burden is getting that financial. You right. get that financial burden off your back where you're not stressed about that. And you're just focused on putting together a snow machine and just going and riding it. You know, we put in the time training, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you create what you need, you're going to accomplish what you need to. Right. Yeah. Well, it's crazy, the overwhelming amount of support that I've received for being a rookie from people. I had people reach out and want to sponsor us, you know, yeah. and it's helpful, like GPS Alaska and Sensation Tanning Salon. They like, you know, contacted me and were like, hey, what the heck? You didn't call me. I don't like asking people for money. Like, right. you know, to me, right. it's just, I feel like it, I don't feel like doing you know yeah just something about it but a lot of people really wanted to help out they wanted to support it and they really want to see us do well so they reached out and you know did a lot of stuff and it's it's crazy just and how many people have you know been like oh you're running iron dog that's so awesome you know here you know we're cheering for you send me a sweater in colorado or you know places like that where you know it's it's insane just how how many people are following along and want to see social media is really driven Mm-hmm. outside of Alaska the last few years it's there's a lot more people involved now you know I think we're starting to get more on the map you know it used to just be the Alaska thing right, right? and now we're kind of getting more on the map with uh, down in the Midwest with the whole racing like cross country circuit down there there's been a few guys that have come up try to do it the factory you, you say know, try try it's, yeah. it's a little bit different for those guys <laughs> yeah. you know you can their terrain's so much different. They don't oh, yeah. have right. yeah, limited not. snow conditions here. You know, they're racing completely different. And it's riding through cornfields. Corn it's 150 mile race. You know, yeah. that same day, 150 mm-hmm. mile. Across cornfields and driveways. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, so, but then we get, it was 2015, there's all the water. You know, so we had 40 degrees raining in Big Lake, 30 below in McGrath. Yeah. In the South Fork. Uh, so, what is that? South Fork's. Around like mile 150-ish, yeah. Uh, right before Roan, all wide open, and you're water skipping, like basically rapids. You know, and these guys are coming up. You know, they're used to a groom. Not, I wouldn't say groom, but you know, a close main, course, 150 mile yeah. racetrack. Right. And then it's just not the same. We're staked <laughs> out. Roads are closed. I mean, they got right. set yeah. up. You know, for that. Yeah. It's yeah. Different. And this is just you know, you're getting your tracks from another racer, hoping that they didn't give you something. Yeah, something bad. off somewhere else. Right. right. And you're yeah. so remote out there. You know, that was that's one of the craziest things to me is if you, like, when we were doing our, one of our training rides, you know, we stopped and shut the sleds off to do something. 
and you just look around and there's nothing. You hear nothing. You're so far away from any people, any civilization, no cell phone service. I mean, we have, you know, sat phones, stuff like that, but you're hours from any help, even if you did need something, you know, if you got hurt, like stuff like that, it's just really, it's crazy to think how, yeah. Adds, where you adds, are. Add, yeah. Again, adds to kind of the mental stress, like just yeah. knowing like if you need anything, it might take a minute. So that's why it's hair race. Yeah, right. If it was singles, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I'd be scared. I probably would never do it. No, yeah, no. Like I in the dark, you go out there on the river. You know, you can't tell where you're at, which is up or down. Right. Without your GPS, if your GPS didn't work, you're going up and down the river. You know, you can kind of read the train a little bit, where you see like, oh, the, all the trees are kind of pointed down, so you know the river flows that way because mm-hmm. it's washing the trees down. Right. But a lot of those areas, you shut your sun off, pure dark. You don't know which way is which. Right. You know, you yeah. might be able to find the north star. But it's, I don't, I'm not a real navigational guy to even know what yeah. north is going to put me on. <laughs> I think the north star means north. It, it's got it in its name. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's, it's just so a much lot of unknowns and yeah. a lot of prep and everything else. So much yeah. mental, mental stress. Definitely a lot of mental stress. Um, I, I was going to ask something. I forgot. It was a good one. Um, yeah, I just, mental stress is like the one thing I've noticed with Iron Doggers is, the composure that you guys are able to like keep i mean you don't show it like if you're even frustrated but just being able to keep some kind of mental composure throughout the race even when things are going bad and like we talked about you have all these villagers and people with cameras and facetiming or facebook live like you can't be showing any kind of mental like struggle because then you know it'll look bad on the iron dog and you as a team or yeah. anything like that so that's definitely like Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on uh, uh, Brad George a little bit. That guy is always so happy. He comes into a checkpoint, he's high fiving, he's smiling, he's got it. You know, he's always got an open face open, so he's like high fiving, and you don't need, you never can even tell if anything's going wrong, even if you just read you know five minutes ago that they have motor issues or they're having this. Like putting on that happy face for all the villagers is. It would be tough. It would be really tough. Well, then we get to, you know, half the time we're, we're all staying together. Right. So, you know, first, second, third, could all be staying in the same house. And it's like, we're still friends. Take the gear off, take the helmet off. We're all friends, but put it all back on. And it's like, you know, I'm racing you kind of thing. But if you see somebody have issues, it's we're stopping. It's a, it's, it's different than a sprint race. What a lot of people think, right. You know, and it's like, we're all there to help, you know, the iron dog, they have our GPS, you know, the little trackers, they can see how long we sat somewhere if we help someone. So they'll give you time back if there's an injury, you know, it's all pretty, you know, we're all out there together. And yeah. so that's where it's, I, it's, right. it's a little bit tighter. Com- community. Camaraderie. Camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that word. Thanks. That, yeah, look at the brain on this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, that, was, that was my next question and Zach actually answered it, but um, just all the racers, I mean, you talked about Brian and Casey, you talked about Mike and Chris, like it's kind of like a big family off the trail. And then Mm -hmm. when you kind of get into the race, there is still like, yeah, we're competing, we're competitors. But like Zach said, if anything does happen, you're going to be willing to stop and lend a hand or your services or whatever you can. You know, it's it's a race. That is a dance. We're all trying to go home to our families, you know, we all have our day jobs. Yeah, you know, this isn't our profession. Right. There's not um, there's not a single racer that this is their profession. Right. So it's you know, it's it's you could consider it a hobby, 
probably the most expensive hobby you'll have. <laughs> well, hundred grand, man. Yeah. It's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not a cheap one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we can buy some nice houses for hundred grand. <laughs> yeah. We got vacation houses. There you go. We'll ask Brian about what's the more expensive hobby: planes or iron yeah. hog. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah, that's there's just a lot. And then another um, question was, uh, what's required for like medical training? Do you guys have any kind of medical training? First aid CPR is all we are required to have. Uh Um, I've done some wilderness survival classes with work, you know, for stuff, for remote, you know, jobs for stuff we do. You know, we do village runways. We're the same kind of deal. We're in the same village that we're going to race through and, you know, helps obviously the helicopters away and planes away. So, you know, stuff like that is helpful, but a lot of it's just experience. Right. You know, we both grew up in Alaska and been in the backcountry doing stuff there. So we've yeah. been around whatnot, but yeah. You definitely got to be some bush fixes. So who's giving who mouth to mouth? This is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. All right. No comment. Both of them smirk. Okay. Um, He'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. What happens on the trail stays on the yeah, trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's no cameras around. I've seen those YouTube videos where people get, you know, do the hind leg, but they just throw them against a wall or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, that's what's what gonna happen. Sled might hit them at sixty. Miles <laughs> <laughs> That'll yeah. fix it, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about this kind of? We're kind of jump into a rabbit hole here, but I I've, I've noticed with some other professional sports like racing, um, mouth guards. Are you guys wearing mouth guards yet? Not in the race. I have doing tricks. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> that, that's um, a little more understandable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No mouth guards. <laughs> It's, I don't know. We wear full face protection. A lot of guys wear the half face helmets because it is quicker and easier if you need food or drink in a village quick. But uh, just the speeds we're going, it's like the risk versus reward. It's like you bounce your face off those handlebars once. That's going to live with you forever. Yeah. So you just, I mean, I don't take any safety in it. You know, I try to maximize everything I can for uh-huh. safety. Right. You know, they have the required items. That's mostly what we all wear, but if there's something better, then we're always opportunity to try it. Right. Um, I wear knee braces. Required is only shin pads, you know, basically like hockey shin shin pads, motocross type of shin pads, but I wear actual like knee braces and stuff, but that's personal personal preference. Bunny boots, you know, there's no ankle support, you know, but they are warmer. You put them in a bucket of water, pour them out, put your feet in there, your feet are still going to be warm. Right. But boots and yeah. technology has gotten so good nowadays that, you know, that's where we're pretty fortunate. You know, a lot of our sponsors, it's gear or it's supplies or, you know, it's parts. And that's where a lot of those items, it's just like the technology nowadays goes far and exceeds everything that you've ever seen 10 years ago. Right. You know, right. they wouldn't even think of this stuff that they have now 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that I, why I continue to be so passionate about the race and continue to follow it is like every year something new happens and it just keeps transitioning the race into something even more exciting or more fast paced or like the technology and sleds. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like in 15 years, like the race. Probably silence with electric. That would be really cool. Yeah, we take a lot longer. You'd have to stop and charge <laughs> yeah. a lot more often. Yeah, no kidding, right? You'll put I mean, like sat, uh, a solar panel on your back when it's sunny. Out. Of generators. Yeah, <laughs> gen, gen drops. Change like your batteries. Panel. Yeah, yeah. No, so well, cool guys. I won't keep you any longer. It's been fun, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, you guys being here, and well, thank you guys for the help, and thanks for having us here. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
We'll have to do an after the race. Maybe, maybe yeah. you should do a post race one. Tell us about how you're yeah. uh, see if you're still friends. Yeah, see if you're still friends. <laughs> yes. see, if, see if you're still friends. Yeah, hundred percent. See if Tommy wants to race it over again. And <laughs> yeah, so we'll make sure to keep some mental notes of the food we eat. Yeah, yeah. So you can give it. That'd be great. We want. Yeah, some. I was gonna ask. Yeah, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask. <laughs> we can bring some leftovers. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put in Sounds a little doggy bag. A cat bag. A cat, cat bag. Cat bag. Yeah. yeah. So awesome, guys. Well. Like I said, appreciate you being here, and um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Hopefully, we give yeah, you yeah, yeah, good weeks. luck. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Let us know good if you luck, need anything. Yes. Yeah. So, thank you. It.